trademark of this program, what I'm most proud of, of this team fights through everything. It fights through everything. You want to be here for him? You want to be here for him? You want to be here for him? We've got to be together. I'm going to tell you, we're going to get this done only one way, gentlemen, is if we all believe and we all do it together. We've got to just keep on that mentality. No matter who we are, no matter what the situation is, we keep on believing in each other. Okay, you remember this. What identifies you is when you come out and you make that great hit on third down, not only stuffs the ball carrier, the ball pops down, your teammate picks it up and scores. Not only do you break the tackle on that first down, you get plus 17, plus 19, finish the run in the end zone. You play every play this team together. We'll dial it when it has to, and we'll finish when it has to finish. Let's get the performance done. Let's go. Let's go. How's our walk on the field today? How's our walk on the field today? It costs me to know. It costs me to know. Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates. You never get a second chance to make a great first impression. I'm going to say it again. Make sure you jot it down. You never get a second chance to make a great first impression. And I want you guys to take that into consideration as we have one of many discussions about leadership. The reason leadership requires so many discussions is that there is because that there's no one way to lead. There's all sorts of ways in which you can develop as a leader. All right. Now, I was blessed because I I grew up in a football and a football. I grew up playing football. All right. And right after college, as you guys know, I wanted to be a coach. And I remember during during the during the fall, it was during the fall of my last year, my senior year in college, I did an internship at the YMCA in Silver Spring, Maryland. And the person that I worked under was a, was a basketball coach named Melvin Reed for that month. Luckily, Melvin Reed was semi-retired, right? That, that was the term he used. He said, I'm, I'm semi-retired right now. Now, Melvin, Coach Reed, he used to coach for the Georgetown Hoyas. He used to coach basketball for the Georgetown Hoyas. And this was back in the day when the Hoyas, Hoyas basketball actually meant something. I'm talking, you know, Alonzo Mourning, Pat Ewing, Allen Iverson, Dikembe Mutombo, you know, John Thompson days. And so he worked under John Thompson. And there was a lot of little nuggets that I picked up from him. One of the, I remember one of the first things he told me, he was like, look, if you're going to coach kids, you got to understand that they go home and tell their parents everything. 
I was, he said that to me from day one. Day one, that was the main thing. He said, look, if you take anything from this little month in which you work working with us, understand that the kids go home and they tell their parents everything. The main thing that I took away from that, that stint, that opportunity to, to be around him, is when he said this. He said this, actually, no, this was a couple, this was a couple, yeah, this was a couple months later. This was after I had graduated college and I and I had my own flies, I had my own things going on. And I went to Coach Reed and said, hey, look, this is some of the kinds of things I'm doing now. And Melvin Reed said that, Coach Reed said this to me. He goes, you know, you're a walking resume. Now, this was after I graduated. And when he said that, you know, the, the resume thing hits a little harder when you have a college degree. Right, teammates? It's like, oh, walking resume. <laughs> a resume is not just something that's on paper anymore. And as soon as he said that, I got to thinking. I'm like, man. Walking resume, walking resume. And I got to thinking of all the men that I've been coached by as a football player. Because when you leave football, when, when, you, when you hang up your cleats, eventually we all become products of the men that have coached us. And as soon as he said that, I got to thinking of all the men that have coached me. And how very, very lucky and fortunate I have been. Trust me, teammates, I, I was not lying to you. If you've read swiftly, I have been so lucky in the department of leadership. All right, In a sport like football, where there's all sorts of firings and hirings, all kinds of coaches, most of the coaches who coach football, most of the, people, most of the men who coach football are constantly looking for another job. They're constantly looking for something better. There's not a lot of money in it. It's a broken business model. With all of that... I was lucky enough to play for three men who stayed at their who who were in their dream jobs. All right, I played for Coach Malloy at Good Counsel, and he was in his dream job. This was his dream position of all the public schools in which he worked in Montgomery County. Good Counsel was his dream job. All right, right after high school, I went to Carson Newman, Carson Newman College, my freshman year, where I played for Ken Sparks, and that was his. Dream job. Had no interest in coaching anywhere else. And then I transferred to Stony Brook University in which I played for Coach Chuck Priority. Chuck Priority, sorry. Coach Chuck Priority. We called him Coach P. And Stony Brook was his dream job. He grew up in Long Island and it was his dream to turn Stony Brook into what Stony Brook has become now. I was blessed. It's the reason I understood consistency. And that's what it is. As a you don't go out, You're, our, orig, our initial interest in the game of football or in any sport is that of a player. No, no kid goes out and says, oh my God, I want to coach, right? So I was so receptive and I was so, I'm so grateful to have, have had those men because I did not plan it. I did not plan to have that kind of consistency. I didn't. Tell me straight up. Coach Malloy used to coach at Springbrook and that was a school that I should have gone to that I was supposed to go to had he not taken that job at Good Counsel, right? So I was blessed. And, and today, I, wanna, I want you guys to understand that you don't have to be them to lead. All of them had their different styles of leadership. All right, I'm going to take you back to the beginning. I want you guys to understand that that first impression is so important. So I'm going to tell you my first impression with all three of those coaches because <laughs> it was magical. And I'm, I'm going to try my best to keep it at just the first impression. 
because the amount of things that I have learned from them is just countless. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about each and every last one of those men in terms of their leadership style and how they were all about what's best for the program. They didn't give a shit about what's best for just this, this kid or one kid or two. It's about what's best for the team. That was their main concern from day one. That's the one thing all three of them had, but they had different styles of getting it done. All right, so, so Coach Malloy, high school. My first impression with Coach Malloy, <laughs> it was great because there was a, fre- a freshman orientation. All the incoming freshmen came in towards the end of the school year. And here was all these parents, everybody's ready to, to come out, play, play football for Coach Malloy. All these just fresh faces, these, these you know, glossy looks in the eyes, eyes wide, just like, oh my God, here we go. And a football's got to get serious. There's the man himself. It's high school football, baby. Ah! <laughs> and I can remember because it was this cafeteria and the cafeteria was filled with parents. Filled with parents. Parents and athletes. And Coach Malloy handed out the, the schedule for all the teams in which we'll be playing that season. And on the schedule, it has the teams that we will be scrimmaging as well. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with what a scrimmage is, it's just a practice game. It's just like the NFL has joint practices. It's the same thing in high school. We go and we scrimmage certain teams just as a tune-up. It's game-type stuff, but those games don't count towards our record. Now, as Coach Malloy is going through the scrimmage schedule and he's looking at all the teams and we're looking at all the teams in which we'll be scrimmaging, this is what Coach Malloy says. He goes, as you can see, we're not ducking anyone. (laughs) We're not ducking a damn person. And then he starts naming, he starts naming all the teams. He goes, so-and-so school was one of the top schools in D.C. So this school was one of the top teams in Virginia. And this school was the top team in Baltimore. So we ain't ducking anyone. (laughs) And I'm telling you, I loved it. I love it because I, I, knew, I knew he was going to turn good counsel into a winner from that point. Because this was, a set, this was a classroom setting. This was a setting in which, you know, everyone wants to just sort of be nice. You know, it's freshmen. You, you don't want to piss anyone off. And he, he let it be known to every parent in that county, we ain't ducking no one. This good council football is going to mean something in the state of Maryland on the national stage. So I'm not surprised at the greatness that, that he's been able to accomplish. We're talking about the man who has won the most games in Maryland football high school history. Of all the high school football coaches in Maryland, Coach Malloy has won the most games. And that was my first impression. All right? So take that into consideration. He was about competing, and he wasn't trying to duck a damn person. I loved it. All right? Okay, okay. Let me... All right. High school's over. I get to college. I get to Carson Newman College. And Carson Newman was in Jefferson City, Tennessee. And like I mentioned, this was Ken Sparks' baby. This was... He is Carson Newman football. He took the job, I believe, when he was in his early 20s, and he just never left the campus since. The one thing about Coach Sparks and everyone who's played for Carson, played at Carson Newman, played under him... Knows Anyone that's met him knows this is a devout Christian, all about his faith. He was all about using the game of football to bring us as players closer to a, rela- in a relationship with God. 
and he stuck by that. He could care less how you performed on the field. It was none of that. He wanted every last one of his players to know who God was. And this was my first impression of, of Coach Sparks. It was the first day at camp, and there were no parents around. It was just him and the team, his coaches and players at this point. And we have our first meeting. As we're walking into the auditorium, we get handed Bibles. <laughs> All right, the same way Coach Blake gave us sketches instead, we're walking in and we're being given Bibles. I'm like, what the? <laughs> I thought we had like football! But he's giving us Bibles, right? And then he hands out this contract to all the players. And this is what was, said in the con- uh, what was written on the contract. The contract said, I will not drink. I will not smoke. I will not have, I will not have under or I will not have sex with women I'm not married to. It was just a bunch of things that pretty much saying you have to be a Christian. <laughs> you know, again, I'm 18 years old. I'm seven hours away from home teammates. And I'm like, dog, I don't know about that play. I'm trying to get my nerve on up in here. And also, I was the typical 18-year-old kid that just wanted to get to college and party it up. So I'm looking at it. I know I wasn't by myself. I, I, I know I wasn't the only one. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and you could feel the room getting uncomfortable. And all the incoming freshmen sort of looking at each other. We're like, what the hell is this dude talking about now? Do he know? Does he know what's going on? Hey, Coach Sparks, you know, one thing, he had a great feel for the room. He, he's a great speaker. He had a great feel for the room. And he just looked at all of us as, as everyone's looking around. He looks at all of us. And Coach Sparks says, hey, if you don't want to sign it, it's not a problem. Just get up and leave right now. <laughs> and it got real serious. It got real cold in that room. Because he started, to, he told the story about, hey, there have been times in which people have signed that contract and they've broken that contract and I've gotten, them on my, I've gotten them in my office and I've pulled that contract out and they were asked to leave the team. And you could feel how dead serious he was. Right? So, like I mentioned, there's different styles of leadership. There's the coach from Lord that's, look, he wants everyone to know straight up he wants to win. He wants to win. He wants to win. He wants to win. <laughs> All right? That's what he's about. Then there was Coach Sparks. He wants a relationship with God. He wants to use this game, use this game to change young men's lives. And again, there's no right or wrong way. It's just this is what works and this is what made them consistent. Then finally, when I transferred to Stony Brook University and I had Chuck Priori. Now, at this point, Coach P was like a celebrity because I wanted to go to Stony Brook out of high school and they didn't take me because my grades weren't good enough and they didn't want to take a risk and all that stuff. So I'd known Coach P and he was the one that said no. Then after Carson Newman, I tore my ACL and I spent the year not playing football. And I tried to get in right after my freshman year. And again, I was told no, my grades weren't good enough. So at this point, Coach P was a celebrity because I'd done so much research on the school at this point. Knew everything about him, knew where he was. I, I, I really wanted to be a part of this. This was my dream. You know, when you come from a school like Good Counsel, you want to play Division One football. That's the big thing you want to do. And that's what Coach P represented for me. It was a mission I had to have or else to this day, I would be, it would be feel like something was missing in my life. So I finally get to Stony Brook. I finally do it. It's finally here. And I got in on my grades. 
I got in because I buckled down in the classroom and I was able to make it. And thankfully, my mother and father could afford it. And I'm so appreciative to them because I know it wasn't easy. So I thank you, mom and papa. Thank you. But I finally got to Stony Brook. And the first day at camp, and at this point I was a junior in college, but I felt like an incoming freshman. So I got the opportunity to, to go back to those two, those two previous experiences with Coach Malloy and Coach Sparks in terms of that this is how an incoming freshman feels when he first meets that coach. All right. Now, the first time we met, again, it was the first day of camp, and all the, the football players, we gathered in Goldstein. That was the name of the building. It was the Goldstein Center. And before Coach P addressed us, before Coach P addressed the team, he had everybody else do what they needed to do, which means he had the trainer come in and pass out some paperwork. He had the academic advisor say what they got to say. He had the strength and conditioning coach, all that stuff. He, he let them go first. Now, as they were handing out, there was, a, there was one of the speakers started handing out some paperwork. Actually, it was the first speaker. Started handing out the paperwork. And we as players or some of the other players, it wasn't me because I didn't know anyone, but some of the players were chatting. They were still just casually doing it, yada, yada, yada. They're just going through the motions. And the, again, the Goldstein is like a, a classroom setting, <laughs> all right? And then all of a sudden, Coach P just loses. He's like, hey, shut the fuck up, all right? The man actually put some papers down and do it. There should be no talking. Get your asses going. I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> it's it. Teammates, teammates, it was, it was almost like we were on the field already. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and it was very interesting to me because you got to stand at Carson Newman. This was a devout Christian. None of the coaches cursed. None of it. As soon as I got to Stony Brook, that's all they did was curse. Now, is he wrong? No, neither one is wrong, right or wrong. At the end of the day, this is Coach P's baby. Stony Brook football is his baby. And I tell you guys that because all three of these men have molded me. And I became products of all three of these men because of how, just how consistent they were. And they were so different, but they wanted the same thing. Just like life. Everybody wants the same things in life. They want happiness. They want to be with the person that they love. They want this great job. They want this great career. At the end of the day, you have got to be yourself. Lead in your own way. Figure out ways to lead. And really think back to what I told you. You do not get a second chance at a first impression. You don't know who you're going to meet for the first time that could change your life. So you can't be worrying about being a certain way for a certain person every day. You'll drive yourself crazy. The only thing you can do is be yourself. All right, And if they like you, they like you. If they don't, they don't. Move on. Move on. Take that into consideration. I hope it helps. I really hope it helps because I know you guys are listening in every week. I know you, you've, you've fallen in love with, with these podcasts and these episodes. Just understand, be yourself because I know you want to lead. I know you want to lead. Just continue to be yourself. Figure out what works for you. Who were your mentors in your past? And how did you get to this vision, this thing that you're seeing in your head. How did you get to that place? All right, figure that out. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. He is Maryland's all-time winningest high school football coach and one of the top 10 football coaches in America. But next year, Bob Malloy will not be on the sidelines. It was just the time. I mean, that's a, it, everything is, I love this school and, and uh, uh, you know, we have a, a decent group coming back for next year. 
But I don't know, I just was, was thinking about, you know, uh, uh, a funny story. I had lunch with Morgan Wooten a couple weeks ago, and I told him I was thinking. He said, Bob, it's better too soon than the too late. <laughs> he began his career in 1967 as the JV coach at DeMatha, then went on to serve as head coach at Walt Whitman, Springbrook, and Sherwood High Schools. He began the job at Good Council in 2001. Over the years, he amassed 405 wins, and his teams have won a record eight state championships. Under his watch, Good Counsel won four consecutive WCAC championships from 2009 to 2012, finishing number one in the Washington Post each of those years. I mean, I have memories from each individual place here, you know, when we beat uh, the math for our first championship. Uh, that was a big this day. Game might have been the all up, to be with you. Same as Springbrook in '79, we won our first state, and the, the same at Sherwood in 1995, we won our first state. And uh, I mean, you do remember those. I have to admit that. Hundreds of Malloy's players have gone on to play college football. We have great exposure here, you know, for college football scholarships. We had 93 college coaches come in our office last December, looking for guys, you know, Division One, Two, II, and Three. And there are eight who have played or are playing in the pros, including Stefan Diggs. Stefan is with Minnesota. Kendall Fuller is the Redskins. Then, of course, Sean Springs was a, was a terrific player. Uh, Lewis Young was in the Super Bowl last year for the Panthers. Malloy is one of the few left who spent an entire career coaching high school football. Today, he says coaches only last a few years. He will tell you it's because playing for your school team is not as simple as it used to be. Like every two, three years, people are leaving. The, the parents are much, 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 too much involved. But that's in, in all sports at all levels, boys and girls. I mean, the parents just... Uh, are much more involved than, than they used to be. Over the 40 years, Malloy has taught math, and now he oversees two study halls at Good Council. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? He says he believes it's important for today's coaches to be a part of the school faculty. It's an opportunity to interact in a positive way with students off the field. I taught, you know, for 31 years, I 34 years, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it. You see, get to see the members of the faculty, you know, you're not just a coach that comes at three o'clock and leaves at six. Uh, you know, I, I you know get the you see the girl students and the you know the whole. You know, you're part of the faculty, and, and I think that's important. And what will he miss most? His answer, not surprising. I think the kids, uh, and and the coaches. You know, I've had some great coaches over the years, and uh, who are, were real good friends. I mean, there was. A few tense moments in, in those meeting rooms at 11 o'clock at night, you know, but uh, a few erasers thrown around. But, uh, you know, when we left the room, we were all on the same team, all on the same side, and, uh, um, and I'll miss that. I'll, I'll, I mean, I will miss it, but I won't miss it, you know. Throughout his career, Malloy has received numerous awards, and last year he was enshrined into the Washington, D.C. Sports Hall of Fame. But you never know. You may see Bob Malloy again in the future. Time will tell. I'm taking this next year off, and I'm staying out of football. And and you know, and if I uh, you know find out I, I got to get back in it, then then I'll do that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, I won't have a wife, but I'll I'll, I'll be doing it single handedly. <laughs> you football player. 
It was a tough day for Coach Torbush in the college football world when they found out legendary Carson Newman head coach Ken Sparks passed away this morning at 1.30. He was 73. Sparks announced his retirement on November the 14th. He finished his Carson Newman career after 37 seasons with 338 wins, 99 losses, two ties, and five NAIA national titles. However, those who knew him, such as ETSU head coach Carl Torbush, who played at Carson Newman and later coached under Sparks at one point, knew the numbers mattered little the sparks. The influence he's made on many, many people, not only me, but uh, the players that played for him, the coaches that coached under him, the administration. Uh, there's not a time that you will get around Coach Sparks and not know what he stands for and the type of faith that he has. So uh, it's a very, very sad day for us. All the players that played for him, the things that they say, you just know he's a giant in the faith and he's a giant and, those, and a hero in many of those players' eyes. When you look at people and you say, how do you know they've done right? Because you hear of no wrong. I think everybody is upbeat because they're grateful that Coach is not in any pain, that uh, his destination is complete. Uh, but you, uh, you have that sense of a loss. The Sparks family will receive friends at Manly Baptist Church in Morristown from 2 to 6 Friday with a service to follow. That event is open to the public in accordance with the family's wishes. The burial will be private and...